the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to the SpotTrack.com podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester along with Paul Peck and, of course, the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti here. And we are going to talk about teams that are wise with their money, Mike. Sometimes, like the teams that are financial underdogs, we're calling them, are doing well in professional sports here, which doesn't seem like that would be the case. You've Fans got- always think you need to spend the most money in order to win. And I think, Mike, what you're going to show us is that money spending does not always equal I, wins. I've been telling my family that, like, <laughs> hey, if we don't spend the money, oh, wait, back to sports, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I think really, what I think teams thought they had to spend a lot of money to win, too. I think that was the, uh, the trend that sort of took over for the last decade or so, and it's really starting to trend the other way. We're seeing... Some really nice values, not just players, but rosters. I mean, I mean, depth charts, you know, things like that that we track on SpotTrack, they're really starting to come together and round into form in terms of value in different spots, right? So we've talked in the past about, you know, the, the major positions, right? The spending positions in every, in every sport, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, you know, your goaltenders, maybe, you know. Yeah, sure. Used to be your yeah. big men in basketball, but that's obviously gone away. So. You know, you've got your trends and they shift in terms of position and they shift in terms of finances as well. And we've seen that, you know, in terms of how rosters are being spent in free agency, how rosters are being built at the draft and how draft picks are becoming bigger assets for all these different sports. And what's happening is you're getting balanced rosters. And that's really the theme of what's happened with these different sports. You're seeing teams who are trusting their process. Again, we'll get, to, get back to that who have a plan in place, who, who understand that timing is a big factor in terms of your spending and when you're able to spend and when you're not, when you can utilize the draft more, when you can spend in free agency more. And we're at a point now where there are just a, a, a lot of teams in these four major sports that have figured out their, their plan and are enacting it, and they're winning because of it. Let, let, let's talk about the NHL here in, in hockey. And yeah. before we get to a couple of specific teams, because there's one that's just remarkable uh, this year – in the NHL, but you mentioned goaltender. And for a while there, let's go back 20 years ago, maybe 15 years uh, more recently, it was, hey, you've got to pay money to get you know the best goalies in the world, the Marty Berdours, the Dominic Hasheks, the Eddie Belfour. Patrick Waz. Patrick Waz. I mean, and these are great goaltenders. All of a sudden, teams figured out, you know what, and I've, I've made this argument uh, a lot, and people are like, ah, you're nuts, but you don't need a great goalie to win the Stanley Cup. You need your goaltender to play great when it comes to be that time. But you do not need a great goalie, the best in the league overall, um, and pay him all that money and tie up cap space. You need skaters around him to limit the chances the against him. Shots prevalence in the NHL has changed that. It certainly has. But I'll, you know, you look at uh, Crawford with the Chicago Blackhawks, and I'll use the Blackhawks. They won three Stanley Cups. They've done it with two different goaltenders. Doesn't mean their goaltenders did not play great because they did. But that you can't tell me that Crawford is. You say, well, this guy's one of the, the, the great goaltenders of today. You'll name three guys before you name Crawford of the Chicago Blackhawks, and I mean, you know, I'm I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but he also has Keith and Seabrook in front of him, and Kane and Taves carrying the puck with Sharp. I mean, unbelievable skaters in front of him. You hit the nail on the head, I think, with a point a couple sentences back. It, th- there were two goaltenders on that team. And I think a lot of teams have done that, and that's not just hockey. I think we're seeing that in these, in these positions. We're seeing it at the quarterback position. You know, let's look at the Super Bowl here. So w- what you're seeing is is it's not necessarily great to pay, pay an elite player elite money because, and, and this is something I've seen in seven years of, of running spot track valuations and projections and, and things like that. 
there's not that much difference in how these guys can perform if they've, they're given a legitimate chance, if their sample size is big enough. There's just not that big of a difference between, you know, player 14 and player 2. You know, every, every, every so often you're going to have a standout. You're going to have your Kelvin Johnson and your Le'Veon Bell and, you know, your player that's just so much better, Mike Trout, right? Yeah. Their numbers are just so much better that you can't even value other guys against them when it comes to what I do, you know, that you just throw them out the window. So, but, but other than that, you know, your, your number two ranked and your number 15 ranked in terms of statistical production, there's just not that big of a difference. And, and it turns into the money not needing to be that much different either. So is it worth it to spend number one money? You know, when you're seeing these guys like a Stafford get this gigantic contract or, or are you okay spending f- number four money knowing you can pay your backup, you know, maybe in the twenties, you know, something like that, so that you can you can you can know that your roster is full of depth. Let's just bring the Patriots up right now because sure. that's what we're, where we're going anyway here, right? Is it better to build with depth, with not a superstar contract at the major positions, or is it better to have the best players on the field at all times? It's something to talk about. Well, you know, analytics has done a great service to yeah. general managers, to fans, Paul, but it's done a disservice to established veterans yes. in sports because it's taken money away from them because you look at age, production, and as Mike was mentioning, the gap between right. second best player and 15th is not that and great. And here's where this goes, Mike. Um, scouting is so much better now than it ever was before, and, and I'll spin you back to the point here, which is ultimately in any sport, the most talented teams win. You can have great coaching. You need to. All that other stuff is great, but give me a most talented team and I'm going to win more often than if you have a really good coach with a less talented team. So the, the challenge now becomes how do you get to be the most talented team? And I think what's happening in pro sports is as scouting has gotten so much better, you it, it you're getting more talent more often so you don't have to pay as much. Is that does any of that make sense at all in this argument? It, it does. It's knowing when to let go, right? It's knowing when that veteran Patriots is, are, are kings yep, of that. Yeah, it's knowing when to, you know, when that top dollar is too much and you have to, you have to fold over. And it's also you mentioned having the best team. It's also having the healthiest team. True. Right? And that's just something you have to think about week 1 before week 1 these days. I mean, when you're building this roster every offseason, you know, when you're turning things over, it's what happens if he goes down and what happens if he goes down and can we can we survive really i mean aaron rodgers you know we've seen it twice now with the packers they can't survive right they, but they then just, look at the eagles can't. look at look what the That's eagles right. have done look at look at the list of guys who are not playing for them i would love for you and 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 it probably won't get to the top of the list because Carson Wentz wasn't making mega quarterback money i would love for you to see where the injured salary list ranks for the Eagles of any team that's ever been in a Super Bowl before. Yeah, it's something Not to, to give you more about. work. Yeah, we'll get there. But it's, it is something to talk about because you, you can't just discount these injured reserve lists every year. You can't. They're, they're growing. There's more prominent players on them every single season. You know, it's not good for TV. It's not good for football. It's certainly not good for a team. But teams need to start including this as a, as, as a factor as they're building every single year because – it's it's a reality. It, they really can't stop it, you know. Especially in the more violent sports, your hockey's and your footballs. But they need to be ready for it. They need to, they need to have a roster that can handle it. Let's talk about baseball. Because yeah. uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about baseball and how there really wasn't an explosion of spending uh, in the hot stove still. season, and it still is an explosion of spending. So, do you think they've caught on to what's happened? Not only this year with the Astros, who were fifteenth in total payroll. 
uh, Major League Baseball, which goes to the point of, hey, you don't have to spend all the most money um, in order to win. You look at the Indians in 2016, right, 22nd yeah. in payroll in Major League Baseball. Baseball's catching on where, you know what, we don't need to – now, listen, they're spending a lot of money, but we don't need to spend with the Yankees to win. No, there are, there are teams that are – taking advantage of those first six years which are dirt cheap it's just happening you're seeing you're seeing a youth infusion in this league and a lot of it is international i mean there's a the 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 league has had to come around and really actually change the international process because teams were abusing it at some point so but you're seeing the royals and the indians and and the astros these smaller market teams get better very fast because of an infusion of youth because they've been able to build players up from the bottom and not have to go and spend 150 million dollars in free agency so Obviously, you know, that's a timing thing as well. So, you know, you're seeing the Royals right now sort of get gutted in terms of those guys moving on to their big contracts and not being able to keep up with that, we think. But again, when the window is there for these smaller teams, they can absolutely hack it. They can absolutely take their small young young players and run into the postseason and and into the World Series. So it's not it's not an accident. It's something that they have to realize beforehand as we saw with the Sports Illustrated and the sure. Astros, right, the, the prediction. So it, it, it's a real thing, and these small market teams, they need to understand their window and go in, and, and build when it's ready. It, it, it's part of, you mentioned the international part. I, Paul, I, I wonder if part of it is the tr- advanced training in youth sports where, you know, players baseball. are better at a younger age than they ever yes, had Yes, I mean, there's, you know, when we were kids, there weren't catcher's clinics nope, and, and nope. hitting cages all year round in cold weather. Like, and you know, videotape analysis of your swing, all that stuff. Like A-Rod's, A-Rod going to the IMG Academy is like one of the first ones that I yeah. ever heard of. Like, whoa, this, this, is, this is happening. There's IMG Academies all over the place now. Right. Yeah. The, the, the question I have for you, Mike, is, is that, is that model sustainable or does it not matter? If, if the Houston Astros won a World Series and they maybe win another one, but then they probably are going to have to either make decisions to let those guys who are up for contracts either go or sign them, maybe they or their fans won't care if there's a step back. But that's my only worry about what the Astros are doing is, are they going to be able to sustain that? Because it's going to come home to roost. They're going to have to pay Altuve and those guys at some point soon. Yeah, there's no way it's sustainable, right? That's what I'm talking about, this window. There's there's probably a three- to four-year window. That, that's maybe even generous. Maybe it's two- to three-years where these teams have lightning in a, in a bottle, right? I mean, the Cowboys. Royals, Dak, are, Dak Prescott, Royals, Royals are a prime example. Yeah. You're seeing it with the Pirates who are now yes. cut gutting what was uh, a a team that never really won big but but sort of captured the, the, the market. Right. I While you mentioned that, all Pirates fans just must be sick. Over McCutcheon, right? The the whole team. I mean, right? They they, they they sent their number one pitcher, their their best outfielder. It looks like they're going to send a couple more guys. Yeah, they're they're gutting it because they realize that that window has passed for them. They they can't spend in free agency like they want to, and and that's a that's an example right there. But you know, will the Houston Astros ever get there? I don't know, right? Because it, it's pretty obvious they have a scouting analytics system in place that has worked, and, and if and those guys aren't sitting in the stands watching Astros games, let's be honest. Those guys are out, you know, in other countries and across America finding the next wave, the next window. Right. So so if you're not worried about, if you have enough confidence in your yeah. ability to find the next Jose Altuve, then you let Jose Altuve go when he becomes a $200 million or $400 million player, right? So that, that's the question, though. That's the question. Do well, they, it's ha- always do the, they question. have the stones to do that? I don't you know. know. You, I mean? mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned Matthew Stafford. Do, do the Lions have the stones to have not paid him because they think they can go find the next one. 
I think we're going to see it with the Jacksonville Jaguars, too. There you go. You know, Do they have the stones to get rid of a quarterback who just took them to the, the AFC Championship game, right? Who, who, who they the, probably, in all honesty, know just isn't hasn't lived up to what they thought he would live that's up right. to. But you, you kind of see this in, well, in these wait, different sports, but, right? All right, but what are you, what are you paying? Uh, we'll use Blake Bortles, yep. for example, or Al Tuve. What are you paying these guys for? You're looking at the – you're thinking regular season salary, right? But the fans want them paid for those moments – where in the playoffs to go and win, and I think when fans look at the money, they they, they might say, "Ah, oh, this guy's making." Uh, oh, Stephon Gilmore, we'll use him for the Patriots. Yeah, Fourteen million. What's it? He makes a great play for the Patriots. Saves the, AFC the game. Yep. Saves the game. All worth sudden, every penny. Right. <laughs> Blake Bortles. You look at him like, wow, the guy played a great game and lost. You know. Um, it, it, he, why would you want to move on from him? Like when it mattered, he won. On the he won a game with his legs against Buffalo. He won on the road in Pittsburgh, um, and then he goes to New England and did almost everything. I question play calling there at the end for the Jags, um, or the lack of a penalty. Uh, <laughs> but whatever, um, he played a great game uh, in New England on the road in the AFC Championship game. Those are the things you play, pay players for, right? If you're in it to win championships then that's what you're paying for. Is it worth $16 million, though? Because that's the raise he's due next year. He's due to make $16 million more or yeah. $16 million, period. $19 million total, $16 million more than this year. Sure. I mean, if that's, if that's what you're paying a quarterback um, in the National Football League, if that's what a starting quarterback, a good starting quarterback, uh, that's the going rate, yes. Is it better than paying Kirk Cousins 30 Yes. All right, here, here's <laughs> – I, here, I want to throw something at you, Mike. This has got me I'm thinking. going back to last week's podcast, <laughs> yeah. the mother of all quarterbacks. And this applies to any sport. Are we getting closer to the point in professional sports where – I don't know if the fans will ever accept this, but the teams will. You draft a guy, you play him for his rookie contract, and you let him go. And you don't even think twice – about re-signing him to a second contract. Are we getting closer to that era in every level of professional sports? If the sports allow it. If the sports allow it. Because, I mean, you're seeing it in football right now. You're seeing these franchise tags are starting to really hurt. They're hurting these these players. They're hurting, you know, rosters. They're hurting the value of positions. I mean, I don't know if Le'Veon Bell's getting a contract this year. And that's unbelievable. And he's the best running back in the league. Maybe and in they're the last thinking about whether they want to bring him back or not. It, and if that's the kind of trend that we're really going to see, you know, where a player like Case Keenum can make $23 million and Le'Veon Bell can make a maximum of 14 you know, guaranteed. I don't know that the players and the NFLPA will allow for this too long. I really don't because, you know, you're looking at your NBA salaries. We don't need to talk about that in terms of how big those are getting and the guaranteed money that goes with it. But I... Teams would love that. Teams would love to be able to draft every every year and know that four years down the road they've already got you know the next guy in line. That does that just doesn't work. No, it hasn't worked for the last thirty years. It's not going to work. You're going to have to pick and choose. It's going to have to be positionally, but you're going to have to get past this franchise tag phase, in my opinion. You're going to you're going to have to be smarter than that in terms of how you manage your your money, because the franchise tag doesn't apply to value here, right? There's a reason you don't see the Patriots using that on their major positions. You know, and there's a, there's a reason the Patriots don't ever have a top ten payroll. You know, in terms of their cap ev- annually, so it, it's just a bad look for your for your cap table. It's a bad look for your your relationship with your players, right? You, you, especially prominent positions like we're talking about here. So, will there be quick rookie contracts and then and then a turnover? Sure, in some cases that's going to become more prevalent because rookie contracts are phenomenal, 
You know, the wage scale is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so much more value versus yeah. money. I, 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 Kevin, I, hold your thought yeah, for sure. just a second. If this becomes more prominent, maybe we're talking about it in football. If this becomes more prominent, I'm going to give you the. I'm going to tell you the moment that it started to happen. Yep. The moment that I think this started to happen is when teams started to realize that running backs were not worthy of high draft picks. Now we're seeing that spin back a little the other way yeah, now. Fournette. But when when teams said we churn through these guys, they have a limited shelf life. I'm not going to. I'm going to pick one in the fourth round run the crap out of them for three years and go pick another one in the fourth round because my production will be just as good. I wonder if that's what started to change the mentality in the NFL about that approach. Now, you can't do it with quarterbacks. I understand that they're too hard to find, but I wonder if it's filtering into other positions. You know what what I think? I think it takes a really bad draft class. I really do. I think it takes like two years, maybe. Maybe it took two years of just really bad running backs drafted high, you know. And we saw that we really did. And and I think we're we may be seeing that with that twenty eleven uh, wide receiver crew or twenty thirteen. Yeah. You know, is that is that the draft class that says we can't be paying fifteen million dollars a year to these wide receivers because there's six of them and they're all worth ten. You right. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it takes maybe just one stinger. To, to shock everything, and then all these teams sort of come around to the fact that there's a new trend, there's a new way to do this, and if we all kind of jump on board, then this will be the way to do it. What I don't want to happen is I don't want Le'Veon Bell's getting franchise tags. I don't want that to be the trend. I don't want I don't want a running back worth fourteen and a half million dollars on a get salary return and on investment. Me, there. me as as a, as the money guy here, I don't want fifteen million into one running back one year. That's that's ridiculous. Right. Who's one hit away from being out of your yeah. lineup? There's and, no there's no depth there, right? There's no depth. Fitzgerald Toussaint is not is not a backup that's going to win a Super Bowl for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's be honest here. So, it, it's there's there's my side of it, there's the roster side of it, and then there's just logic to it, right? And, and I think when when you see a draft class that works, people want to pay through the roof. People want to see see it happen every single year, and it's just not that's just not good business. You can have success. We've talked about all every uh, the major sports where teams can have success not spending the most money. Although there's one sport we haven't <laughs> talked about, and that's the, the NBA. elephant in the room, right? The NBA. It, it there's never. It, I'm going to say I'm going to make a statement that uh, uh, is very generalized, but I think it's easy to believe, right? There's never going to be. Uh, a team in the bottom third spending the NBA that's going to win the NBA championship, is there? It it seems impossible. It seems impossible just because there's less players that need to, need to be impacted in terms of you know a depth chart, right? And there's maybe six, seven guys on a roster that really matter in terms of on-court on production. It's the only sport where one guy can change well, an entire yeah, franchise. That's right. Well, but you need three in the NBA now. Supposedly. Because you can – well, if if you don't, then we'll see the Bucks, right? I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, they're pushing – but they, they need can. more than just uh, the Greek freak. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting to see one of those, those teams sort of push through a little bit and, and kind of break up this this boys club in terms of guys getting together and, and pushing for a championship because I don't know if that's good for basketball. I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think it's good. It's certainly not good for, for, for salary caps. I can tell you that right now. I was because, explaining this to my sons. Yeah. They were playing NBA 2K, and they, they had the old Lakers yeah. going, and I would explain to them the Celtics, play the old Celtics, and you had about five or six teams – where they had one superstar, they had other good players around them, but you never would have seen Magic Johnson and Larry. You saw it on the Dream Team. That was it. That's when they got That's together, right. right? I mean, the Golden State Warriors uh, are a Dream Team right now. So are the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. I, 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 I can't see a, a way where this just continues to work and work and work and work because 
unless the money is just ridiculous in, in, in terms of how, how much these teams are actually earning on the side, you know what I mean? If sure. the revenue is, unless the revenue really is this big, there's going to be a bubble burst here in terms of where these salaries are going because look at, we're, we're, we're three years away from LeBron James being worth 50 million a year. So, I mean, that's going to be a real thing. That's going to be a salary. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> he makes more off the court. Yeah, but that's not even that's not even discussable. I mean, right, he can go do that whatever he wants. But yes. I'm saying he's gonna he's gonna play 82 games and make 50 million dollars. So unbelievable. We're, we're getting to that point. That's coming. That's around the corner here, and and it sounds unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and I just don't know if that's sustainable. And it's certainly not good for the rest of the league because they're gonna have to have another discussion with another CBA to make sure that these these guys coming into the league or these veteran minimum players and all that are. Are, are somewhat, you know, <laughs> given a raise, a, a bit of a raise. I mean, because you're going to have guys at $2 million and guys at $50 million playing on the same court, playing similar minutes, and that's just not going to work. It's like media salary, so there's a huge dispar- <laughs> disparity. Yeah. Um, but there, we, the minimum is not the $2 million. But the interesting thing with LeBron, well, you know, we talked about spending and money. The team that pays LeBron $50 million is not getting the best LeBron. There's a lot of miles on that uh, – luxury vehicle there yeah. i mean every year to the finals yeah every year to the finals and that's a lot of basketball and he's getting up in age and that's when you know you'll see nagging he won't be able to play as many minutes uh, in order to, to go to, and that doesn't mean he won't be good um or even great but he's not going to be how he is now i just wonder if the league begins to refine that salary cap a little bit you know because it's on them i mean i mean they can say that number is as high or as low as they, they want it to be every year in terms of how the revenue is structured so you know, it, it, it may be good business for them to say, we need to start bringing this down to earth a little bit because we've got a situation where we do have aging superstars. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, there may be a bubble bursting in terms of, of the turnover. You know, there's a good amount of young youth of talent in, in the league that are, that's coming up right now. Um, if you're the players, you want it, Mike. Let me jump in here. If yeah, you're, because no doubt. You know, this stuff's negotiated in collective bargaining agreements. And think about this. If you're the players... Um, it's a myopic view to say, oh, yeah, we want the top salary to go to 50. Hey, if you're the Utah Jazz, right. you want to keep Gordon Hayward on your team. You want to have a chance to beat uh, you know, the, the bigger market teams the way they could back in the day when John Stockton and Carl Malone were Hall of Famers for the Utah Jazz and stayed with the Utah Jazz because they could compete because the other teams couldn't sign them to huge dollar contracts and bring them all together. Well, that's the discussion, right? I mean, you kind of mentioned it there. You know, do these leagues want the parity? Do they want it? The basketball certainly doesn't right now. The basketball is no, just le- fine right. with Cleveland and Golden State and Oklahoma and San Antonio winning every year. They're fine with it. Their TV ratings are through the roof. You know, their superstars are happy. They're, they're good. Are these other sports happy with it? Because the parity is much more prevalent in these other sports. That, no question. Look at this Final Four we had with football. You know, we've talked about some baseball in the past couple of years. The, the World Series, you know, teams coming from the bottom of the payrolls. And, you know, and we're seeing that in hockey as well here this year. So, there's a there's there's more parity in other leagues, less in the in basketball, and I guess the question is, what's better for for any of them, really? Two football follow ups for you. You just mentioned it, and I I'm thinking of this, and you've you've cited the Patriots as the way they do it. So many teams are trying to do it the way they do. Well, we just saw a wave of coaching hires around the NFL, where almost every one of them had a Patriots connection. Um, you've got four general managers around the league that used to work under Bill Belichick. Um, Mike Vrabel, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels are all going to be head coaches. So the Patriot influence around the league will be spreading. Can anybody? Can everybody else do it the way they do it? They need to sell it hard because I mean the reason the Patriots can do it is because they've earned the right to do it, right? I mean they've they've 
these ridiculous amount of wins and, and the they have the, they have the greatest of all time at the single most influential position that's right um so obviously you know you know their situation sells itself so when guys come and take three four million less than they could anywhere else that's not that's not an accident you know what i mean yeah um the, the approach has to be we're going to take the patriots way and that needs to be the sell you know we're, we're not here we're not here you know to be one and done we're here to, to win for 10 years and in order to do that this is the structure this is what i know this is how they're doing it we want that we want 20 years of success. We don't want, you know, two years of success. So in terms of how this, the hard salary cap works, yeah, the Patriots definitely have it figured out. I mean, they're in the middle of the pack this year in terms of what their cap spending. Obviously, they they stayed fairly healthy. That was a big deal for them. You know, they lost a couple of key players early. They made some uncharacteristic free agent spending this offseason, which kind of raised some eyebrows. But certainly that worked out in terms of a couple of players at the end of the year here. Uh they they just sort of know when to pull the trigger on all these situations. They really do. They know when to release. They know when to trade. They know when to sign. They know when not to sign, which is maybe the most important thing. So they they certainly have it figured out. They, you're right. They are starting to be, you know, perplexed across the league. There's going to be some pe- some teams who tried to do this this year for sure. I mean, you're going to see it in Indianapolis, which is going to be super interesting when they start to gut that roster with a bunch of aging veterans and they need to flip over a defense and they're going to have a huge quarterback question. So there's a situations across the league that are going to try to copy this. That's for sure. I would they need to sell it as the Patriots way. I would assume that's yeah. how these guys got that job that's right. by telling the owner, I'm going to bring right. the Patriot way here. Oh, fantastic. They should be admired for how they've done things. It will be interesting uh, to kind of wrap this part uh, of the podcast up to see uh, if more Major League Baseball teams follow the Astros' way uh, to win the World Series and how they spend this season. All right, with that, we're, we're going to move on here and a very interesting team coming up. Today's Cap Fact. All right, it's time for our cap fact, and we put the cap fact spotlight on one of the most amazing stories, Mike, in sports history. It's going on in the NHL, and it involves the Vegas Golden Knights doing some things that nobody expected and have never been done before. Yeah, that's pretty. it's pretty incredible, as you mentioned. They were, you know, obviously an expansion team this past year. They kind of built their roster from that expansion draft, which is extremely difficult to do because teams obviously can t- can designate you know who, who goes where in terms of how that works out but they have hit lightning in a bottle with not only the the structure of their of their roster for, on a from a hockey standpoint but they have the 20 23rd highest salary cap in the league so it's not like they went and spent a ton of money and 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 brought in gigantic contracts with you know with veterans with experience to make this happen you're talking about a lot of B players, right? You're talking about a, a players that you know maybe were fu- were filtering off. They, they they were on the backside of their careers, or, or younger guys who hadn't really panned out yet. And it's all just sort of happening at one time here in their very first year. Let me give you a number here. Since 1960, zero expansion teams in the four major sports have had a winning record in their first year. Not only do they have a winning record, they have the best record in hockey right now. Incredible, right? They have 66 points. They're certainly on track for the postseason. Uh, they were preseason two hundred to one odds to win the cup. They're now seven to one. That might even be higher now. Um, they're a phenomenal story. I mean, they're playing great hockey. They're fun to watch. They're winning everywhere. They're they're obviously inspiring that Vegas crowd. They're, you know, in terms of season tickets and things like that. It's 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 a great story for the league. It's good for hockey, and it's really a, it's a cap management story is what it is. Kevin, you're the hockey guy here. The expansion rules were different this time yes. than they ever have been before, and I think that allowed 
players that would never, ever have been available to expansion team like a James Neal or even some of the younger players. To, so, so, so while Mike's point is great, it's a, there were different rules. These rules were set up to make Vegas more successful. Well, it gave George McPhee a lot of uh, bargaining power. Okay, you don't want me to take that guy? Well, then give me this person and a pick. Like He had a lot of currency to use um, in order to get better players on the roster. The salary cap also factored in because uh, teams wanted to uh, d- dump some contracts or sign those younger players who are coming off their entry-level deals. The NHL, they figured out uh, peak uh, playing ages are about 23 now to 32. So uh, you have to pay those players coming off of that first-year contract. Now, they're goaltender. We, we went way back uh, about 20 minutes ago, we talked about the <laughs> NHL. You need two goalies. Well, the Pittsburgh Penguins won a Stanley Cup with Murray, right? They've won a couple of uh, Stanley Cups here. Well, they went three, right, under Crosby, uh, two in a row. Well, they've done it with two different goaltenders, right? right? Another team. So I, so Mark andre Fleury, they get the big salary out there. Now he's uh, injured this year again concussion-wise, so there's some issues. But they, they got some legitimacy in net uh, to start things off. And another goaltender, Malcolm Subin, uh, whose brother is PK, who was a a well-regarded prospect that was just pushing a roster spot. And pay. All right, so they had to move on. Getting James Neal, guy playing for a contract, right? In the history of the National Hockey League, I've never seen a player that is in a contract year doesn't play great. Look at Evander Kane for the Buffalo Sabres. He's got an expiring contract. He's the most sought-after trade target in the NHL because he's playing for a new contract. So – Players who are – and they, they have about a handful of good players playing for contracts, and they're playing great, and they have an excellent coach. Yeah, and it's back to our sustainability discussion, which yep. is they may wind up doing some things that have never been done before, but can they sustain it? Well, they started to. They, they've signed four – I think four of their guys have been extended thus far. They're the, they're the smaller guys in terms of how the money needed to be spread out. We talked about James Neal. That's certainly one that's going to come up here, right, because – I don't think they expected to be this high up the up the charts in terms of the standings because I think it, I think some of those guys, maybe him included, was probably a trade candidate before the start of the year, right? Correct. This is a guy yes. where you know we're going to get him and, and keep him for a couple months and then flip him. Correct. And I don't think that's even a thought right now. So they're they're probably they're, they're probably thinking about do we go out and get a yeah, they're buyers, yeah, right? They're buyers for so. sure. So you know their their story has certainly flipped on edge, and uh, that's definitely something to watch in this next month as that trade deadline comes up. You know they have decent players. A guy like Eric Halla is yeah. is a decent player. They've got they've got a bunch of decent players. They don't have any great players, in my opinion, on their roster. They've guys who are playing great, yep. but I think a lot of that too is Gerard Gallant, coach. the coach. Yes. He's he's regarded as an excellent coach. Right. Florida moved on from him. Um, life cycles of coaches are three years in the National Hockey League or sometimes less uh, if you don't win, and that was the situation in Florida. But th- this is this is crazy, this, <laughs> actually, what they're doing. Th- they're not supposed to be doing this, but they are. You, you mentioned how they're they're sort of like, I mentioned like B players, right? They're, they're, all, they're all sort of you know known players, but they never really hit their, their full yep. potential in terms of their, their production. D- does bringing a guy like Evander Kane mess up that chemistry? Right, I mean, does do you bring Good. a superstar in and he becomes the the big horse in town? And you know, you know how I feel like that's that might be a little bit poison to this Sucks conversation. Sucks the air out yeah. of the room a little bit yeah. sometimes. But rooms also want help. They need it. They know it's when a long they've season. got 
They know when they've got something, and they they want a boost for the playoffs. So um, maybe it's not Kane. Maybe it's another player mm-hmm. uh, that's on an expiring contract that's been um, you know through the postseason. You know, a- another thing to point out too with Vegas is the top teams in the Western Conference are getting long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like, you know, the L.A. Kings, for example, um, that, that's a team that's on the decline. It, they may make a playoff run. And matter of fact, when they won their Cups, uh, they barely got in and they made great runs. The San Jose Sharks, yeah. you know, they're, they're a little long in the tooth there. Even the Blackhawks. Yeah, they look, yeah, they look like they're having a bad year here. So they play, Those teams have played a lot of hockey over the last three, right. four years, and that wears on players. So um, that, I think, factors in, too, to Las Vegas. One, uh, one all-encompassing final question here for you to wrap up everything that we've talked about here. Do fans have to change the way they think about their teams? Do fans have to be less loyal to players? And, and I can even equate it to you less don't buy that jersey That's right. That's you know right. i mean is, is are all of these things changing the way sports is run and are fans going to have to learn to change with it if not they're they're going to be in an uproar and they're not going to get any satisfaction because people are not going to listen to them anymore it, the the short answer is yes the, the long answer is I don't think it'll ever happen, <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's tough to be loyal and logical at the same time. True. It's just, that's just not how it works. Uh, that's I, I, SpyTrack is I've tried to bridge that gap. You know what I mean? I've tried I've tried to put some actual math to some of these these equations. You know, I, I, this is the time of year in the NFL where I throw out guys who I think you know might be on the roster bubble, things like that, and I always get backlash, right? I always get you know loyal fans who can't stand to see their guy go. But there's logic to it, and that's tough for some people to grasp. And, you know, I think we'll get a little better at it together collectively. But, yeah, it's, in terms of the, the, the sport itself and the teams themselves and how they're building, yeah, they are getting better at it. That's why we're seeing, you know, what we talked about here, these underdogs sort of come through and uh, get some success. That's why you need to go to SpotTrack.com, check out all of the great tools, whether it be league-wide, whether it be for your team, your favorite player. You can get all the information, all the sports at SpotTrack.com. For Mike Gennetti and Paul Peck, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast.